Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hey guys, so I'm coming to you sans one bald boy today. So mm. <laughs> we're missing we're missing Brett. He's off doing our quartet is now a trio today only. <laughs> He's off doing amazing things uh, for the community and beginner farmers. So you know, if you see him out and about, give him a little get a little pat on the shoulder and say thanks for being here today, or a so. rub on the head for good luck. Yeah, but maybe like ask first because I just assume that bald head rubbing is similar to when people think they can rub women's pregnant bellies, which is mm. weird. Okay, if you're one of those people, you're weird. Okay? I can see where that'd be problematic. Two things, and there's no baby in there, so okay. All right. And then the other one is like Brett's like six five or whatever, so not yeah. many people can even reach up there. That's true. All right, depends it's on if protected. he's got his boots on or his Crocs on. I guess if he's six four or six five. Yeah. High five will suffice. I mean, if I you don't comfortable <laughs> rubbing the top of someone's head, I saw, right? I'm just kind of like maybe we just like fist bump even. That's fine. Yeah. Josh is like rub my head. So uh, <laughs> high five my forehead, yeah. please and thank you. <laughs> then run away before. You it was. I was laughing out. this morning because I was on a Zoom meeting with one of his suite mates, and I see him like pass behind her with these bright like gold pants on, and so I, like, <laughs> I like shot him a text message, and I was like, "Gold pants, really?" And he's like, "They're orange." <laughs> there is a difference. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm so sorry. So you know, if you see Brett out in his orange his orange pants. Give him a little little fist bump or a little head pat or He's trying to bring the color. It's whatever fall. you're comfortable with. Whatever. I mean, the huh? leaves are falling and and we need the color I mean, in our he, lives. I know, but he was wearing a blue shirt with it, so it was very like Florida Gators. Uh, and, yeah, like, Gator vibes. I don't know. Like I Maybe know we're talking nice. about tropical. By the way, we're talking about houseplants today, which I know are tropical and you know Florida loving. But uh, we're talking about how to bring them inside today, so uh, we need to bring in the cold vibes for yeah. <laughs> for this podcast. University of Florida makes me think of plugging IFAS as a website. Have you ever used IFAS? Yes. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes. a nice, tremendous resource for like uh, extension publications. They so they do. They have a wonderful website. Uh, obviously awesome. Say it again slowly because all I hear is a terrorist Rafa. organization. <laughs> I-F-A-S. I-F-A-S. Okay. All right. Yeah. IFAS. No, I just, uh, I do, I think we've said this before, if you're ever looking up information and you're getting overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just want the right answer. Whatever you look up, put uh, CES, but obviously <laughs> me, but just in case you can put CES behind it, which stands for Cooperative Extension Service. So you're going to get research-based information there. Uh, and if you want to be more specific, wherever you are in uh, you know, the US or whatever zone you're in, so when I look up stuff, I put, you know, I might put houseplants, CES, UKY for University of Kentucky. But if you're in, you know, South Carolina or if you're in Florida, whatever, uh, you can put whatever the little, the, what am I, acronym for them is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll get some good information that way. So, so there's your fun fact for the day. Orange pants and uh, CES in your search bar. Nice. <laughs> Maybe if you look orange pants CES, you'll come up with a picture of Brett. We're not really sure. Be precise. Possible. Yeah. I'm sure not, there's some, some other websites. people wearing that combo. <laughs> yeah. Some other people out there wearing that color combination uh, outside of Florida may be harder to find. Yeah. 
Good day. Well, anyway, jumping back to uh, talking, you know, we talk a lot about farming and outdoor stuff here, but in, you know, Kentucky, it is cold. We've actually had a warm spell this past yeah, that beginning one of day. November. It's jumped <laughs> right. back into the seven. Well, we were close to 80. Yeah, but I think it was 80 in Lexington. Mm-hmm. Just, it was 81 80. yesterday where mm-hmm. I was at and most of the day. Where, yeah, the last couple of days has been unseasonably warm. I, I think we broke some records in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah but that it was, was weird. Yeah, you know, I do have to say I was really mad at Mother Nature for like freezing because it was like 22 at my farm. You mm. know, like October, November first, yeah, something mm. like that. So I was kind of mad because I was like, really? And then we have these nice days, and it just you know cut my season off, and so I was a little bit upset. But then, but then I realized Mother Nature's doing me the favor I didn't know I needed, which is very very typical. She was like, "Look, you're done. Quit." Get it over with. But then I'm going to give you some warm days to clean up and catch up on all the things that you weren't doing because you were still doing in-season stuff. So I do have to say uh, I appreciate her for that, and I looked on the bright side. <laughs> well, it's done. tough this time of year. I mean, goodness, the yo the, the temperature yo-yo is mm-hmm. – uh, but uh, like you said, once we get that hard freeze, hopefully you've already – like. If you had plants on the outside, if you haven't moved them in and left them in place, they're probably not doing really well right now. Those, you know, <laughs> they might look those, a little slimy. They, a little they bit. might be a little moist and droopy <laughs> and, and dying. Yeah. But that, a, that's tough. That's is it one of those situations where if they're cold or wait, if you're cold, they're cold, bring them inside. So is if that, you see that, that raccoon on the porch. <laughs> okay, raccoons, plants. Did you know possums can get frostbite hmm. they're, I guess, little, they're little I, beatsies and they're tails they can yeah. get frostbite yeah so take if you see a possum in lexus bring it in please bring it in make it little mittens make it little, <laughs> little mittens i'm gonna be crocheting little possum mittens it's winter <laughs> little tail mittens sounds like an etsy project to me <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put the 4-h clubs on it uh, yeah <laughs> anyways if you've not brought your plants in yet, definitely, you know, I, I know I wait probably an extra week or so from the plants that are up right against my brick house versus the ones are, that are down further on the steps or, you know, maybe somewhere else um, I wait. But you've probably brought them in. And here's the thing. So I think we've talked about before when you're bringing your plants inside, you know, in a perfect world, you're giving them this nice essentially two week adjustment period where you're moving Mm. them slower into the shade and you're watering them maybe a little less and you're doing all these things in the perfect world. And I'm here to tell you that I have pretty much never done that. (laughs) So if you didn't do that and your plants are already inside and you're like, it's too late, Alexis, it's past the point of no return. I get that. I'm there with you. And I (laughs) here is what I have done to help the situation. So I bring my pl- all my plants in. Actually, there are some that I don't even put outside. So first rule is just because it's warm out does not mean you have to move your plants outside. If they're comfortable and happy and living inside and it's a pain in your butt to get them out, don't feel like you have to take them out just because it's summer. Uh, because what you introduce them to is there's insects inside. So you might be bringing in some mealybugs, some aphid, scale, whatever. Uh, but also you're going in that shock. It's the shock of them going out into you know high humidity, high temps, high sunlight. And then you shock them again when you bring them back in. So I have plants that I know are um, through through killing several of them. I know that <laughs> that they are just they don't transition well. So I've just stopped putting them out and I put them in a highlight. And maybe they don't grow as much as they would if they're outside. But then I don't get those big shocks. So I think kind of overall over the years I've got 
I've received the same amount of growth on them that I would have if I had been bringing them in and out. So that's my first little PSA. You don't have to put them outside if you don't want to. I don't know, Ray, you've got some indoor house plants. What do you do with them? Try to keep them alive, basically, for the <laughs> next three or four months. We were, some of us were having a little bit of a discussion earlier. For the past couple of years, I've had trouble with uh, mealybugs. <laughs> and a lot of that prep work, and I realize that it's a little too late now. You've We've had hard freezes here in Kentucky throughout the state. Uh, we've had those hard freezes, so you've already moved uh, your your tender plants in that need to come in for the winter. But uh, I need to do a better job, uh, and that includes this year, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I need to do a better job of uh, making sure that all of those pests or as many of those pests as possible are off the plants before I move them in because I think that kind of prep work in moving the plants inside is really, really important. And one of the best things I've done uh, in the past is, uh, and it's worked great for me because I have some big containers and you'll be shocked at all the critters that will live in the container, especially in the bottom. If you have saucers and things on those mm-hmm. is one of the things that I've done to help, uh, because a lot of the pests can be in the soil. I mean, from earwigs to I've, I had snakes Whoa. in the bottom of big containers, uh, <laughs> but one of the, th- yeah, true story. One of Ugh. the things I have, um, done to uh, preparing plants to bring them on the inside is kind of soak that for you know 20 hours 10 to 20 and I've actually done that with my larger plants and everything all the the things that 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 breathe that I don't want on the inside of my home I kind of either flush thoroughly 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 or soak them Mm. for uh, several hours Hmm. before I bring them in and that's done really well for me that's my larger plants now it's a I had tubs and stuff at the time, and that was a little easier for me to do. Otherwise, it can sort of be a pain. But another thing that I do, I was bringing in some, I don't know, some fancy leaf ivy in, and that stuff just grew so much. And one of the prep things I always do with like the ivies and even, you know, pothos and stuff, because everyone knows how the golden pothos, I think in my case, how much that stuff grows is I trim everything before I bring it Mm -hmm. on the inside. So I kind of go through all of my plants. I look for mealybugs and I kill all of them that I can with a vengeance. <laughs> I will do it. Burn it with fire. Not really. That's the way I feel. But uh, that's much easier to do on the outside is we've got a lot more options for, you know, strong water streams that you couldn't necessarily do on the inside to wash some of these insects off that you don't want. We have a lot of options on the outside, whether it's mm-hmm. an insecticide or just jets of water, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of options. But once you bring them on the inside, my options become really limited. So I do all of that try to do all of that prep work. But even that being said, I noticed that my wife, Jennifer brought in, you know, I was real careful with my set of plants on the front porch and she's got a summer <laughs> succulents on the back porch. And I hope she doesn't listen to this episode because uh, the train she goes, I am dragging. I noticed today when I looked at, I was making my little cup of coffee before this, because I needed caffeine for that energy boost for this episode, but I all looked for at you, this too. house leak and it has mealybugs all over what? it. Everywhere, yeah. and I'm like, no. So I'm quarantining <laughs> that thing. I've moved it. I'm going to get in trouble. I put it all the way in the corner of the kitchen where there's not sufficient light. And and I don't know. <laughs> I've got to I've got to assess my options. There are some options there that I'm sure I we'll saw, talk about. But oh my gosh, guys, so, mealybugs. Yeah, and and Ray, that's a really good point. Bringing 
that you soak your plants and like mm-hmm. let like essentially drown them for a little while. Yeah. Or dry them up and out. Salt. Yeah. Kind of huh? dead. There's there's different reasons for that. Yeah. To get yeah. Rid of yeah. You can leach out and, some yeah. salt levels. You know, some plants, a lot of our tropical plants are are more sensitive to salts that are in our, you know, tap water and things. So uh, you can leach them out using rainwater is always a good option. Uh, but it also, you know, insects need to breathe. And so by doing that, you're you're drowning them. Now, don't do it for more than a couple hours because roots also need to breathe. So you, you yeah. got to be a little bit careful. You have of that. to know the plant you're doing that with and some plants yeah. will not respond well to that. Right. And you want to give them enough time to dry out before bringing them in because yeah. number one, it's going to be heavy. And number two, when they do come mm-hmm. inside and we're going to talk about this, kind of the low light levels, things like that will cause that root system to stay, you know, wet longer. Mm. But one thing I saw that I love a good systemic treatment on my, mm-hmm. you know, when you bring them in, it's systemic. That's usually like a granular or something that you're watering in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those plants uptake that pesticide through their leaves. It's a lot safer if you have pets. So a lot of people have, you know, cats and stuff that they don't want getting pesticide on them. But for, you know, those of you, I always like to have lots of different options. And one that's good for like mealybug and scale um, is if you have a small pot that's like relatively easy to handle, putting, you can dunk the whole plant. Like we just talked about, you know, submerging the pot in water, right? To get out those soil, mm-hmm. soil critters. But it, putting just like a little drop of like Dawn dish soap in some like a bucket mm-hmm. of water uh, just to create like a nice surface and then dunking like the whole plant, uh, the top growth uh, down into that water. You can leave the root ball out if you want to. So for this, I'm thinking a lot of those vining plants that can be hard to rinse off and stuff. So mm-hmm. dunk them into that and let them, you know, sit in there for 30 minutes or something like that. And then you pull it off and all those mealybug, those scale aphids, things like that would fall off into that uh, soapy water. So, and then you just spray off mm-hmm. uh, them again, spray that foliage off. But if you haven't done that, <laughs> or, or maybe you have, all of that maybe is you thought prep work. Of, you, all yeah. of that is all of that is. My wife prep didn't work. do that. She didn't <laughs> Your do any wife of that. did not. Yeah. Under house lake, Jennifer <laughs> yeah. did not do any of that <laughs> under the bus. Under you, the bus. you can names. if you've got small Na- stuff. You can names. put them in your bathtub. So yeah. there's been numerous times my husband has come home and been wanting to get in the shower and he opens the shower curtain up so just plants it's like a, it's like a scary movie yeah yeah there's just yeah. Plants, plants and you know le- dead leaves everywhere but anyways so bringing them in we're kind of past the point of no return what do mm-hmm, you do yes. to keep them alive you know we a lot of time we buy these really nice plants on the summertime we mm-hmm. splurge on them they're so pretty they're so cool uh guilty i'm talking about me i'm the problem um <laughs> and then i bring them in and i have a forest a jungle in my in my living room but what I guess are I'll you, ask you alexis yeah is it possible to bring any plant that you go and purchase successfully bring that in and overwinter it I mean, I'm, are there just some, pl- I, it seems like there's just some plants that don't do very well, no matter how much supplemental light I give them or how I modify the humidity. Yeah. Uh, there are some that you can do this. E- a pothos is obviously easy to bring mm-hmm. on the inside. Mm-hmm. It does fine. I think that every horticulture is every person. If you're that person who is like, I have a brown thumb and I kill everything. You do not. And we all have things we kill. So for example, I think I've told you all this before. I have killed every air plant I have ever owned. Okay. <laughs> every freaking air plant you I have ever owned. try to take care owned. of them. I blame it on the fact that there's no soil. Okay. My brain understands soil. I am a soil scientist. <laughs> like I cannot grasp this whole 
air plant thing, but we all have something. <laughs> so one of the best horticulturists I know, she can't grow aloe, which is one of the easiest plants for most people to grow. It's one of those beginner house plants. She kills all the aloe. She's one of the most decorative <laughs> tropical she runs entire greenhouses and she cannot keep aloe alive so that being said maybe you just haven't had found the plant for you but there's a lot of truth to that there's a there's a great amount of truth to that i mean yeah there's factors there's like the secondary factors like you may be using the wrong type of soil sure amendments or yada yada but Sometimes if you really love like the water man. you have to i don't know my, my main takeaway for indoor plants is you brought up watering earlier. I mean, there's different ways to water. You know, there's two or three different main ways to water. My favorite is like when I want to dust them off. I love the shower because you can, you can flush it thoroughly, and don't have to worry about you know the water getting everywhere on the floor, and then bring it back down. That works good for small plants. But the main takeaway from today is I think I've worked with more people that kill plants once they bring them in, kill them, kill plants with overwatering versus mm -hmm. underwatering. Mm -hmm. That's the number one problem with bringing plants in to me. Mm -hmm. is uh, scaling back your water schedule to match the, the new growing environment and the growth rate of the plant. And and it's so, I can't just tell it's you, hard. right? Like you can't just, you have to learn how to be intuitive mm -hmm. about it. And this is really hard if you are new to like the world of potted plants in general. It can be really hard to be intuitive about knowing that. And I say that because uh, Brett's wife, Annie, once she has a bunch of house plants and I remember I went over to their house one time and she's like, can you help me with these? And I'm like, that's my thing. Well, let's do it. She's like, I just want to water them on a schedule. And it's like, itesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, like she's like, well, but how do I know? And so there's, there's the, the pick up the pot test, which isn't the easiest one for me. Well, after you water it, uh, pick it up. Like when it's nice and soaked, you got water running out the bottom. You got, you know, the soil looks dark. It's nice and soaked through. Pick that pot up and feel it. Like, what does it mm -hmm. feel like? It just yes. feels heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Don't water again until that pot starts to feel light. Like that's, it's the easiest thing. And I can't tell you because you have to feel it for yourself. I think that's the best, best method is, I mean, people say, stick your hand, you know, into the pot to the second knuckle but, and all these yeah. methods. And I struggle with that because sometimes that soil gets hard and dry and I'm yeah. like, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. But yeah. The, the weight of that container is, will tell you, but you do have to test it when it's heavy and what it mm -hmm. feels like when it's very, very light and hasn't been watered a long time. But your brain will know after a while, you just kind of give it a little scoot or lift the edge of it up if it's a large plant and that's my favorite method of telling I, when I need water I think it's simple it, it simplify it because most of the time you're overthinking it like plants mm -hmm. are are ultimately very like, relatively simple organisms they need water they need light um, they need nutrients and a lot of that they make for themselves so really it's the water and the light that you're most concerned with at least in the winter time yeah and so if you understand the basics of photosynthesis, you know that they're not going to use that water up unless they're getting mm -hmm. enough light. So therefore, we lose light in the winter, right? We know we have less hours of daylight. A lot of those daylight hours are cloud covered and those plants are inside. So you kind of have this triple mm -hmm. threat of lack of light. So you kind of have to say naturally thinking, well, if I watered it once a week outside when it was in full sun, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to water it once a month 
with right. all of that these what, things that's stacked what gets up. people is they stay on the same schedule even experienced yeah. growers yeah. If, you, if you're experienced growing plants on the outside let's say annuals every year that you do not overwinter if all of a sudden you get a fern or something you want to bring it in is you continue on that same schedule and then you overwater mm-hmm. and, and it's a problem but a uh, question i'll pose for you guys is is this uh, when you're watering do you put the water in a container and let it come to temp or i mean what's your what's your thoughts on that anybody with any thoughts as far as you know, matching, like I don't put really hot water, really cold water on plants. I, I mm. know it doesn't make a big difference. The way that you water probably matters more top water versus bottom water. But that's something that some plants are a little bit sensitive to that. So I do, I usually set the the water out for two reasons. Number one, come to temp so that I'm not shocking anything if I'm giving a pretty mm. good dose of water in large plants. But also the chlorine content will decrease just a bit mm-hmm. if you if that's been sitting out for a week or two mm. uh, any comments on any of that uh, or the well, way that you water top versus bottom anything uh, watering i think is is a good place for us to start with this conversation today because it's so important well you're talking about come to temperature like kind of come to room room temperature, temperature yes yeah, over time yeah exactly typically you're starting with something that's much cooler right yes uh, yeah. yeah can be especially in the winter time because the water travels through lines that are pretty close to frozen ground when right. it's cold outside so the water can be really really cold mm. in the winter i don't see it have a big impact but larger containers i I have observed that it may be affecting things somewhat. So in the last several years, I've, I'll sit the container out and it's just ready to go. Mm. And it also helps me water, I, uh, monitor my water levels. I think about watering. This is like the weird thing that I do. I always think about my plants and when I need to water them while I'm brushing my teeth. Mm. I don't know cool. why. It's just like I guess I'm bored while I'm brushing my teeth, so I'm I'm the one who. Well, like it's walks just around. once a month, right? <laughs> yeah, that's only once every three weeks. Um, so no big deal. So I'm walking around the house, like you know, brushing my teeth one and like trying to do something. I definitely cannot do one handed, one handed because I just I ADHD when I brush my teeth. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's funny. So yeah. I do not have the forethought because I'm gonna water while um, I'm brushing my teeth. And so I don't have the forethought. So I just use like lukewarm water. Like I just, Mm. when I get it right out of the tap, but that being said, I do not have plants that are overly sensitive to Mm. tap water. I I definitely don't do cold. I know a lot of people are going, I use ice cubes on my orchid. And I'm like, look, Mm. have I thrown ice cubes in my jade plant because the dog didn't eat them. And so they're right there and I throw them in the pot. Yes. I don't waste (laughs) ice. It goes in the plant somewhere. But I'm not going to put it on like my vining plants where I'm going to put an ice cube right on top of like foliage. Um, I also don't use that in point foliage plants. Yeah, you you talk about that for a second. I mean, do you water those like with a with a like a pistol type spout, or do you like bottom water any of your plants? Because foliage plants and some succulents, they just don't seem to like it. Yeah. Uh, Do you bottom water any plants? Yeah, um, so yeah. I will water through their saucer uh, if I can. Okay. I have a, yeah. I have a, a, like a tree, like it looks, uh, looks not an actual tree. I, it's a thing I hang all my plants on. So I have a lot of hanging baskets that I can't bottom water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I use like a fine little spout to get in there. Honestly, I also my thing that I. <laughs> I have this really lovely watering can that somebody bought me and it like works really, really well. And you know, the thing I use the most often water is an old um, Fiji water, water bottle. Because <laughs> yes. <laughs> dump it on there. It's just the um, glacier water. 
it's just the right size, like mm-hmm. for yeah. my hand, and but it also holds enough water, and mm-hmm. that's just what I use. So you could probably monitor pretty well too in that clear bottle that you're really used to. You can monitor how much you're putting on. Yeah, yeah. So, but if I use a big watering and can. And so then, I like watering, right? We talked about like decrease during like. So for an example, like when I when we get into winter, I water no more than twice a month. Um, my plants mm-hmm. and some of them only get once a month if they're smaller or if they're more, you know, they're getting less light, something along those lines. But there are plants that I have right by a heat register because that mm-hmm. I have a register right underneath the sunniest window and I have some f- like f- full sun plants that I put in that window. They get watered. They're going to get watered for sure twice a month because they're getting a lot of extra heat mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to dry that soil out. So we talked about light, but you also have to talk about the fact that when you turn your heat on in the winter it's like the freaking sahara desert from a humidity standpoint i have some plants that that's the best it's the best window i have which unfortunately is east facing and when we talk about light here in a little bit we'll get into more of this but it's an east facing window not great but uh it's the best window for being a big window that i can crowd you know my plants around but there's a heat register right there Mm -hmm. so uh, once upon a time i did a lot of reading on misting and looked into that a whole lot more and i was not encouraged by what I read about misting as a method of increasing humidity. And from what I could read from, you know, verifiable result type studies is that you can mist and then that, that works really great for five to eight minutes, depending mm-hmm. on how you mist, unless it's a constant micro dose of mist. I mean, you guys like have a, a, like a humidifier. Yeah. yeah. Humidifier would be much, much is a much better option if you have a humidifier because most plants are what 50 ish, um, percent you know humidity and our homes in the wintertime are 10 or 20 percent temperature outside so that's really tough on the tropicals so that's a big one not occurred by hand misting yeah that's a big one too when you're doing that transition so if you've brought your plants in it's been probably two weeks maybe you've had your plants inside um for those of you in kentucky and so you're probably just now or you're gonna maybe by the time this comes out have started to see some browning around the edges like things mm-hmm. getting a little crispy a little crispy in there <laughs> that is most likely humidity okay mm-hmm. so first of all don't water more uh <laughs> it's most likely humidity uh problem so you can cluster your plants so if you've got several house plants put them close together mm-hmm. those plants mm-hmm. naturally respire out of their leaf surface so they increase their own humidity yeah. you're making like a little microclimate yeah. there a little microclimate yeah. and it, it seems silly because you're like three plants together is not going to make a big a difference but it's kind of like uh, well if it's you like water all three of those with three fiji bottles then you have three <laughs> fiji bottles well, of moisture going somewhere and so, the, yeah. other, the other thing i think of is like okay well water freezes you know at one degree temperature difference so like one little one percent mm-hmm. more humidity could mean the difference between a yeah. plant like i try to cluster mine just for that so, rule, that's one of the reasons it's around a heat register they need all the help they can get but, but there's yeah. some of those are big containers so i do that in hopes that maybe it makes a difference maybe well and then if you're uh you can put dishes i've done this for and i'm now mm-hmm. a work at expert i'm learning on the fly i have killed plenty i have some that i've had for years and they've never bloomed but they're still alive, so I'm trying a new thing this year. But anyways, putting them where they can have bottom water, so that water is – what's the word I'm looking for? The water. What happens to water when it turns to a gas? 
evaporation. Evaporate, yeah. It evaporates. Yeah, I was, I, I I was like, you always want to say evapotranspiration. Yeah, slightly different, but I was like, how could water evaporate without a plant? I don't understand plants only. So, but but you're not merging that pot in water. You're just kind of maybe sitting that pot on a rock and then the gravels to elevate it just above. So it's not that saucer is a just a because it's it's going to turn into a gas eventually if the air's dry. And I've read that that is a much much better option than just hand misting. It's but I way think, more effective. I think you really only need that for like more specialized plants. Yes. So like your epiphytes, like an orchid that, mm-hmm. you know, know your plants and or names, an air plant yeah. or something like that. Yes. The other hint I give when I give a big, I give like a two hour long houseplant talk so I could go on and on about this. <laughs> but one of the things I say is you got this plant, you probably have a tag with it. So you at least know what it, what its Latin name is. Look up where it's native to. It's mm-hmm. the easiest thing. If you're like, Alexis, I don't know. I put it at the heat register and it seems to do fine. Or I put it over here. Where is it native to? Is it native to the desert? Is it native to the jungle? I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it until everybody Mimic its environment. And then mimic its environment to the best mm-hmm. of your ability. So do you need it to be more humid? In the dead of winter, I put my I cluster my plants together and I put a humidifier on every day. Mm. But like I those are those are very important plants to me. All the other yeah. ones that aren't that important, I'm like, you know, they'll look bad all winter and then in the spring they'll look better. It's fine. I've worked with some homeowners and the the orchid society there in my county that I work in, and some of them do this, but they have the big humidity tents and and they monitor mm-hmm. that with you know, different monitors, but they go to the extreme of doing that with plants that require more of a jungle type environment. Mm -hmm. They get that humidity up. They vary their nighttime, daytime temperatures by 10 to 12 degrees. I mean, very specialized. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people going to go to that length to, you know, take care of plants, but these are very valuable plants to these mm-hmm. folks. And uh, they do that. They use a tent. Well, it's their passion. Yeah. It's, yeah they love their it. Babies. And it's yeah. so cool. I mean, they use grow lots and supplemental lighting and, and they manage all the, the variables uh, to do a really good job. Which we haven't talked about light yet. No, that, like that we've talked about should be next. Yeah. <laughs> sunlight. What about that? In wintertime, days are getting Oof. shorter. Yeah. So all of my full sun plants, I put, they get priority in my windows. I don't know about mm. you guys, but in my south, Mike, well, I don't have a south, south facing window, but the, the southwest. Most west is good southwest, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, they get, perfect. they get my west facing windows. Um, mm-hmm. And then everybody else gets moved out. I should pull up. I'm going to pull that up while you all, all banter, you but I have this- earlier that you elevate them too, don't you? And I never thought about that, but after you said that, you said, was it you that has a plant stand? You yeah. have a lot of plants on plant stands. Yeah. And I went back and did some reading and oh my gosh, and I have plant stands, but I didn't realize like on an average window is at a certain height in most homes. Mm-hmm. Like the window mm-hmm. doesn't start at the floor level unless it's right. a patio door or something. But what a huge difference a plant stand makes by elevating that plant into full exposure to the actual level of the window well and in winter you know like the sun is lower yes. on the horizon so you mm-hmm. get that so much more coming at the plant uh, mm-hmm. more of a direct on angle so that's one of the things that i encourage folks number one is don't be like me i only have good east facing windows that's not desirable it's more of a south or southwest facing windows tend to be better in the winter but the next thing you can do, uh, like uh, Alexis has, is have some kind of plant stands to bring those plants up 
for that reason you just mentioned, Josh, mm-hmm. that the, the angle of the sun is actually coming down in the mm-hmm. wintertime. So that's going to have a d- direct shot at the plants. And that really does increase the exposure the, the plants to that in, you know, better quality of sunlight, better angle. They just get more sunlight overall. Yeah. So I have, when I give this big talk for master gardeners on houseplants, I have a slide on lighting and that has been the most mm. helpful because it's a, like, it's like, okay, put it in the window. Well, you run out of, Doesn't if mean you're me, lot. you run out of space in a window and you're like, okay, mm. where else can I put this and like how far? So I found this years ago and it was super helpful. So there's two things to think about when for plant growth, right? There's duration of light and there's intensity, intensity. of light, right? So it's the amount of hours is your duration. Intensity mm-hmm. is going to be full set, sun versus full shade kind of thing. So if you're trying to mimic a full, like as much full sun as pos- you can indoors for a full sun plant, that's within two foot of a south facing window. Hmm. So if you have a window that's east facing – you need it in the window, right? And you're still not probably going to reach maximum capacity, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the equivalent. If you have a sun, um, a plant that does better with kind of some direct sun or maybe some like if, if it was outside, it would like afternoon shade, kind of those morning sun, afternoon shade s- scenarios. You would want that plant where it is you're going to see sun sun rays on the leaf surface for a couple hours a day. So mm-hmm. I have a dining room table that's, you know, maybe five feet away from the window. And for an hour or two a day, I can see rays of the sun hitting it. But it, other than that, it's just kind of bright in there. Mm-hmm. And then if you're talking about a shade plant, so an example of this would be like a ZZ plant or a snake plant. A lot of people have. You want to be able to read a newspaper in that room without additional lighting for Mm. five hours a day. Uh, So that means you can put it over in the corner as long as if you were in the corner, you could pretty easily read read your paper, right? Without additional light. And then essentially anything worse than that is not going to be ideal, especially in wintertime. In the summer, you might be able to get away with it, but in the wintertime, Um, Like my bathroom really doesn't have a window and I have no plants in there and it kills me inside because it's the best humidity area in your whole house is your bathroom. Uh, I have a friend who has the most beautiful staghorn ferns that she like mounts on wood and puts them in her bathroom and they just thrive in there. Uh, But she has like three windows in her bathroom. So (laughs) I'm very (laughs) jealous. And she has like white and it reflects all the light. Alexis, uh, Josh, uh, with any kind of plants on the inside, you guys provide, I know there's all, I mean, incandescence technically can provide some, you know, white source of light. You know, it takes different spectrum of light. For yeah, the there's plant like the cool around. and the warm and the full The reds, the blues, and the, the white spectrum. But do you, guys, do you guys get into any of that? For the first time, I was just telling Josh before you hopped on, Alexis, uh, that I ordered there's this one big, and I've talked about it before this, and it's gotten huge, just um, Barbados lily. And mm-hmm. I've ordered a, a, actually a light with a timer designed mm-hmm. for that. It's full spectrum mm-hmm. light. And it's three or 400 watt equivalent. It's an LED array. So it, you know, it's 20 watts, I think, actual. Uh, but it's just for this one plant. And I'm very curious to see what a difference that makes mm-hmm. for me. Because this plant, this one particular plant just looks terrible. Because it, it's a lot lover. Mm-hmm. It just looks terrible by the, I mean, I take it outside and it takes it a month to recover. Right. So I'm going to see if that makes a difference. And the cool thing I noticed about a lot of these newer plant lots, and I hadn't looked into it in a while, is 
they have built-in timers, like mm-hmm. right within in line with the core, like three, nine hour, 12 hour timers. It'll come on and off and sort of take care of itself. But you mm-hmm. guys get into any of that? It seems like Lexus, you said you have like yeah. a top of that. I, it depends on what I'm doing. I've, I've got yeah. a, a whole mess of different things. Um, mm-hmm. One year I started all my Amaryllis inside and I had a rack that had lights on it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would <laughs> say my, I actually was just telling somebody this morning, uh, a coworker of mine was like, I'm going to bring these plants in and what do I need to do? So I would say if you're going to get into lights and you have, let's say you have a nice floor lamp that you're like, I want to put my, I want to hang my plant under this floor lamp, whatever. And it only has one bulb. Invest Mm -hmm. in just getting a grow bulb. You can get them at, you know box stores and you only got one option you can buy the grow Please bulb notice the wattage on those some of those get really hot i noticed yeah yeah the grow bulb because you you won't think it'll it'll look a little different but you'll get it and it's a 20 watt but it's 400 watt equivalent it's hot <laughs> yeah they do some of those hot. i noticed so i so caution they're not people. like led or they are but they're still they're getting an that led hot. array a lot of those they'll have mm-hmm. an array with different mm-hmm. light emitting diodes of different color spectrums within mm-hmm. like they look like a bug eye a lot of those is mm-hmm. that right alexis mm-hmm. like they look different yeah but some of those get warm, yeah. But so you you can get the regular screw you can in get light. just like a screw okay, in gotcha. light bulb that is a, a grow light, so it's a full mm-hmm. spectrum bulb. Now, if you have, I have two things that um, I like, and one of them is if you have the ability, maybe you're going to go out and buy a light fixture, or the light fixture you have takes more than one bulb. You can get a warm bulb and a cool bulb, and that is your full spectrum that you need. Mm. So, like, I have shop lights. I have some on in my office right now. And these are the ones I use on, like, my rolling racks that I might start my seeds with or something like that. We can do a whole seed episode if you guys want. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it needs to be done. I just, you know, those cheap shop lights that you get at the box store and you Mm -hmm. just hang them up. And they take two bulbs and I buy the cheap, one cheap warm, one cheap light are warm and cool. And you plug them in and they're the full spectrum. And so I'll put a timer on those. And I'm looking for 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And you're good to go with that. And those are usually cheaper. But if you already have the lamp or whatever it is you're using and you're just yeah. buying one bulb, then that's probably a cheaper route. So like I had a lamp in the past. It had like it was a kind of an old school lamp, 20 years old or so. But it had the three different angles. And I mm-hmm. loved it for this. You could oh, yeah. The, have, the lower yep. wattage grow bulbs. But it was kind of the old classic reading style that you could point mm-hmm. the three lamps mm-hmm. in individual directions. And it was mm-hmm. so perfect because it was about 62, 65 inches tall. Mm-hmm. was perfect. And I probably need to get one of those back. The thing I loved about that versus some of them, the one piece grow lights, like mm-hmm. if the, the bulbs go out, like then you have to throw the whole thing away. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about what you're saying, Alexis, is it uses a standard bulb base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could just screw those into mm-hmm. to so that's the two big differences. One's the integrated. Get, yeah. yeah. I did get just because my plant collection has gotten too large. Uh, is there any <laughs> for being inside. To yeah. I'm not supposed to be bringing plants home anymore, but um, I, I said, that. well, I'm going to keep bringing plants home, but I promise not to bring home any more coffee mugs. Uh, so mm. now they're all at my office. Balance. It's all about Anyways, balance. Um, <laughs> the plants and coffee mugs problem solved. <laughs> so um, now I've started to hang them on walls as decoration. That's where I'm at with my plant collection. So I don't have like not coffee mugs, things. It's but just the plants on the walls. Plants. Oh, wow. Wow. I have a I had to get like a different stand, right? And I wanted to elevate them, get them closer to the window, and I just needed more space. So I ended up I have this stand that is is multi-tiered and it's real cool, but I found this little clip-on 
and it has like three bendy, oh, I saw those. like octopusy yeah. looking yeah, after I t- things. After I talked to you, I went and checked yeah. those out, and, and it, those are super neat. And it was inexpensive, and it does red and blue light, and like I can set a it timer on a timer. On yeah, it has it like awesome. six, awesome. nine, and twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just set it and forget it. The only weird part is like sometimes if I'm like if I get up early, it's dark outside, and like there's a red and <laughs> red and blue glow coming from my <laughs> dining room and i'm nice. like my neighbors probably think i'm growing all kinds of illegal things in yes. here. <laughs> yes you have your greenhouse it's really just Aussie for my baby rubber tree um yeah. Well, <laughs> so yeah, the, the supplemental lot i'm kind of getting into i've not done a whole lot of that but i don't i want my plants to look a little nicer going back mm-hmm. onto the front porch next year so how would you say those lights are to kind of be in the same space with i mean i know alexis like thinks of herself as somebody who is invading the plant space <laughs> so she doesn't want to bother them but if you're trying to <laughs> let's say live a normal life <laughs> that, having these plants point. around do they bother you like being in these spaces I think do if you they're adjustable because i guess mm-hmm. the rule of thumb is the one thing that you're doing is mm-hmm. all of these lights need to be adjusted adjustable so the light emitting portion of this unit that you're needs to, to be close to the plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the way that I do it, Josh, and that is a big consideration for me because where I've clustered my plants is in the living room. Uh, it's a long, it's sort of a rectangle shaped living room. Uh, on one end of the living room is where the plants are clustered and the TV's like on the other side of the living room. I don't want this 400 watt mm-hmm. light like giving off a right. tremendous <laughs> glow. So I do mm-hmm. angle that a little bit pointing back towards the window. So I really, yeah. the neighbors are probably going to be freaked out when I get <laughs> But yeah, I don't want that. So that was a big consideration when picking out the lights is I want that yeah. customizability to be able to angle that away from me because I cannot imagine that shining in your face. Yeah. Right, I, right. yeah. Mine are like, yeah, angled away from me. I would Perfect. say that the, um, because I, they're on sometimes during the night, like I like get up to mm-hmm. pee or whatever. Um, the red and blue lights, of course, that's what they use in the dark, right? Is a like, yeah, you're using a red flashlight. So it's not mm-hmm. like a shock to the system. You don't see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when they're on and my, I have kind of like a, I have a small house and it's real open. And so they're, you know, not that far away from me and they're opposite of the TV. So they would reflect if they were too bad. But yeah, I have them facing the wall Mm -hmm. where they're so flexible. And even the shop, even the shop lights, like when they're on, they're so like Ray said, they're close to the plant. So they're not really, Mm -hmm. they're not really bothersome. So yeah, I mean, a, a floor lamp might be bothersome i just use that as an example for something that like if you already have but a lot of the floor lamps you can uh, several models like we were talking about earlier can be angled and you can angle those away from mm-hmm. your line of sight but you could yeah. create some kind of a barrier so yes. it's not yeah. like you wouldn't want a shining direct yeah. because most of these bulbs tend to be higher intensity bulbs right so, you know, i was thinking because you know when it uses that blue light because blue light is really uh, not good high energy and hard mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, you know it, it kind of messes with your eyes especially late at night whereas like red light is pretty calm and I turn I never have the blue light on by itself I can turn red on by itself blue Mm -hmm. on by itself or red and blue combined and so I do Mm -hmm. red and blue combined and that like tempers it enough where it doesn't I don't even notice except for I'm like wait what I'm (laughs) jealous of my office setup I have the grow lab the typical like it's like oh yeah grow lab multi-tier but it's got the custom made you know led bulbs that are that have come down in price quite a bit but I would love to have something like that at home but I don't so I'm getting this floor lamp and if I like it I'm going to get a couple more because I won't do all of my plants (laughs) because I want to keep it close to the plant level of the plant so we're going to see how this goes and I could get us if I get a suntan you guys know why but I (laughs) 
entertaining. I'm laughing because I, I love this because I just think about the fact that I still have from last winter when I was growing these amaryllis on a rolling rack. Like it's just not like it's not even cute. Why do I still have this in my house? But yet I'm like, what if I need it? You know, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Like I have a greenhouse outside now, but here I am, and I'm like, I'll just, I'll just, and it's ugly. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. It's because it, there's not enough plants all there's over There's not it. enough plants on it. That's why. Um, actually, I have a mushroom. My mushroom bucket's on it right now. So. <laughs> Perfect. Well, maybe a good way to kind of sum up would be to talk about what – and I, I'm sure the, the true answer is always it depends. But when it comes <laughs> to when it comes to selecting the site for bringing your plants in and where you place them, kind of what is your – What's your, you know, most important resource? Is how it would be the sunlight. Yeah, yeah sunlight, that, that, that comes like first. Craftiness, um, or yeah. what? I would say whatever is the hardest for you to mitigate. So if if mm-hmm. you have a lot of natural light and you have it's comfortable for your plants to be there and like live amongst you, then put mm-hmm. them there. But you know, if it's easier for you to put a humidifier on something and maybe close a vent, uh, and you can you know, supplement light. I mean, I think all of these things can be supplemented. Of course, Mm -hmm. natural is the best way, but when it comes down to it, they can be supplemented. So whatever Mm -hmm. makes it so that you can enjoy them. I know Mm -hmm. Josh, like in my house, plants take priority, but the corgis (laughs) It's really a house of plants that like somebody lives in sometimes. I live in their Caretakers live there for the plants. (laughs) So I am their caretaker. Yeah. But for most of people- you don't want them to be in your way, but you also want them to be somewhere where you can enjoy them. You're enjoying that extra mm-hmm. good oxygen that they're giving mm-hmm. you and you see them. So you're paying attention. Oh, hey, he looks right. extra crispy or there. That one's wilted. Um, that died six months ago. That died. Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> you want it to be like before it gets to that point. So everything can be supplemented. But yeah, I would say my top one would be light. Uh, mm-hmm. But like. Ray was just saying, there's lots of light options yeah. if you got a plug close by. So and that's what I'm having to manipulate. My the best sunlight exposure for me would be the sliding glass door to my mm-hmm. back, back deck area, but unfortunately mm-hmm. we have to walk through there, and and it probably gets like a little drafty. bit drafty there, it's right? Drafty. Yeah, like so cold. my best spot for sunlight. That is exactly why I'm purchasing this supplemental light because there's a better spot for them that has some light. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of making the best of an okay situation. So we've talked <laughs> about the water and the sunlight. How about just take a minute or two on fertilizer? What's going on there, guys? I know we're probably cutting back on water. What about fertilizer? So that one I think is a little bit of a trick question because we do mm-hmm. have plants that bloom in the winter. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. Thanksgiving cactus, Christmas cactus, Easter cactus. So I I want you to first think, remember we said go back to where that plant is from. Is that plant going to bloom during the winter? And if so, then you actually want to bump up your fertilizer. But ninety the other 90% of plants that we are having in home, at home, you don't really need to to fertilize during the winter time, but you do want to fertilize first thing in the spring. So once that light starts to really increase, usually that's like end of March, uh, early April, uh, you can boost them. I like a slow release fertilizer because I'm going to forget otherwise, Mm. but yeah, I mean, you, if you don't fertilize because you forget in the winter, even for those Thanksgiving cactus and things like that, it's better to forget about it than to overdo it because you'll get a lot mm-hmm. of salt buildup this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that's pretty much everything I have seen on this is like back off. Yeah. yeah. 
Everything unless, is fertilizer. Less. Unless you're like me and you're growing plants and water all over your walls. <laughs> and in that case, if you Everywhere. are that the whole like a lot of people are into and I'm just like getting into this uh, thing called LECA balls uh, for your media. So there are plants that will do well in a essentially in just growing in water. Right. Uh, as long as they have the ability to have some air pockets, which is what these LECA, mm-hmm. uh, little LECA balls, they look like little marbles, but made out of like clay, essentially. That's mm-hmm. the reddish sort of terracotta. Yeah, yeah. Balls. And so yeah. They, they hold air pockets and they just let the roots kind of get what they Weird. need to do. But anyways, if you are growing in a pure water situation, you probably do need to have just the smallest amount. I mean, it's so diluted that you almost don't even notice it um, added to your water in that case, but that's kind of a special, special yeah, it sounds scenario. Like whoever's getting into that should hopefully know that. Totally specialized. That's, <laughs> that's the orchestra. Yeah, yeah, I just bought some. Yeah. I just bought some liquid fertilizer because I I like the slow release, but I just bought some yeah. liquid. In just the wintertime, I like the slow release. Uh, even I, I go very light on it, but it's based on watering. So if you're watering less, mm-hmm. you're also yeah. releasing that slower. So it's sort yeah. of balances out in some cases if it's a good high a lot more user coated. friendly. Yeah. Yes. And and it is buffered, so it's not as uh, hot. It's not as mm-hmm. not not such a You're splash. Not going to burn your roots. The, yeah. Yeah. One other thing uh, for those uh, maybe we should mention is if you're new to bringing if you're newer to bringing plants in from the outside, if you have small children or pets, any mm-hmm. concerns there? I know Alexis, you have some little fur babies. I mean, do they any- eat your plants? No. Yeah. Do, do they not chew it? Do they not <laughs> no. mess around with your plants? Good. Mm-hmm. Good. But I know cats that do, and I've had a cat mm-hmm. like who does it when she's angry at okay. me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do so it any other time. stay on good terms with your cat. Be on good terms with your cat, and you'd be fine. But <laughs> I do know there's some out there, and they, and they like to nom. I would say that you should go to the ASPCA.org website, and they will tell you what plants are bad for pets and usually if they're bad for your pet they're bad for your small child i will also tell you that there will be so many plants on there that you're like how will i ever have a house plant because they're all poisonous and usually and again i'm not a veterinarian i'm a horticulturist usually the answer is yes this is poisonous but you have to eat three whole plants in order to even vomit from it kind of thing you know (laughs) poinsettias are a good example everybody knows poinsettias are have you know are poisonous tendencies i should say but if your plant chew if your cat chews on one leaf number one they're not going to chew on it for long because it's gross and it's going to make them feel gross and so they're Mm. they might throw up but usually as long as you don't have a chronically ill cat (laughs) you have a healthy you know cat right. or child mentally stable cat no such mentally thing. stable eh, or any cats truly <laughs> mentally stable i don't know no. they're gonna be fine so yeah don't let your your animal eat your entire plant you know watch them <laughs> make sure but if we didn't have any house plants uh that worse you know if we only had house plants that were safe for our pets we would pretty much have no house plants so you should be like growing wheat <laughs> yeah, I mean, grow cat grass. Cat if you cat that, if yeah. you can go, grow. It's cat really mint. easy to grow. So, yeah. have you ever grown like cat mint indoors with a cat? Or I, I haven't even thought of doing that. Cat, n- cat mint, no cat grass. Yes, um, and it's fun because it's you know essentially like a wheat, and mm. uh, I think it's a rye technically. I don't remember, but it germinates mm. in like ten days, Very and quick. then they <laughs> nom it down, and then you just put another one down, and every ten days you're gonna fresh, fresh cat grass. 
What about catnip? <laughs> I have not grown catnip, catnip balls, and if they react to catnip in the same way as they do the dried catnip balls, then that won't it's last. Probably not even I safe. You'd have to be no. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, right. all over. So that that's a consideration sometimes if people bring these because it's a, sometimes a, especially for like cats and children. Uh, it's a curiosity. It's something they're not used to seeing. So there's this natural curiousness. And so they wander over into that area where there's all of these green things. So mm-hmm. that's just sure. a consideration. Like, well, that I should eat a lot. Yes. <laughs> well, and like, be usually p- plants that are poisonous taste bad. So like even if they get a little bit of it, they're not going to keep yeah. eating it. So that's yeah. where it benefits you. But again, I am not a doctor. So <laughs> just good to be aware of that in, a, in plant stands, if you have a plant that, let's say, uh, gets bothered by kids or pets. Uh, maybe that's a good one for the top. Yeah, of you know what? Stand. Maybe your plant doesn't like your kid. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever think Could of be. that? Yeah. <laughs> then poisoning your kid is a defense mechanism. <laughs> yes. What have we missed? We've talked about everything. We've talked about cats and kids and water and fertilizer. Oh my, what have we missed today? I think we got think it. Like, it. And yeah. if you have questions, like if you have a plant specifically mm. that you can't seem to make happy. You're welcome to, you know, shoot us an email or have an insect problem. I mean, that's a that's mm-hmm. a big issue for insect identification. All mm-hmm. of our offices can provide those services. That's a big one mm-hmm. because there are you have limited um, options in the winter time if you're going to go insecticides. I mean, there's always insecticidal soaps, horticultural oils, and mm-hmm. like neem oil. There's some good options, but if you need to identify the critters that are bothering those plants, definitely give your local extension office a call. Or if you just want to know if you have critters in general, like don't. Yes. Go spraying a bunch of stuff. Don't oh. go watering like first. crazy. <laughs> Figure out what's wrong with it first because you could be overwatering or overhumidifying. Or in case you missed it earlier, identify your problem before you try to solve it. Yes, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> Absolutely, go to your county extension office if you're in Kentucky. You have there's one in every county. There's 120. Actually, there's over 120 because Kenton County has two offices. Oh wow. So uh, there are, there is one in every county. If you are outside of Kentucky, you do have an extension service because there is one in every state. If you are outside of the U.S., I am not sure, but I am positive that there is some some help relatively locally. Or uh, if you are like, I cannot find those people and I don't trust them, that's fine. Uh, you can shoot <laughs> us an email horticulturepodcast at l.uky.edu and that's an email that we all get so uh, all of us will see it and you know kind of can brainstorm on that if that's something uh, and you know Josh won't just willy-nilly start telling you about houseplants without me seeing it first (laughs) okay Uh, but you can also shoot us a a direct message a DM if you will on Instagram uh, horticulturepod and uh, check that out so contact us either way if you want to know something else that sounds interesting or you want us to go into further depth we need to do a bonsai uh, episode for Brett Uh, that's Brett is the expert and I would love to learn. I've been getting a lot of videos on tiny bonsai come up mm-hmm. on my like social media and oh my God, they're so cute. <laughs> I digress. Anyways, we'd love that. If you would leave us a review, if you like this episode, if you're like, hey, my pothos didn't die this year because I listened to this, um, <laughs> that would be great if you just let us know that uh, via a review because it pleases the algorithm gods and people find the podcast and hopefully they will like it and also not kill their pothos. So uh, that would be great. Contact us. 
We love to hear from you all. Uh, We appreciate you listening every week, and we hope that as we grow this podcast, you will grow with us. Uh, Join us next time. We're going to tell you about a lot of cool upcoming things that are going on in the conference world. Thanks. Thanks.